Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Rally Podcast. I'm Mike White here with Logan Cornelius and Sean Boyer. Uh, it's gonna be a quick one for you. Uh, running out of time a little bit today. Our schedules are packed, but we're gonna be talking uh, round net broadcasting. Um, of course, the lost season episode two just came out. And of course, streaming and the future of roundup broadcasting is always talked about. So we got a couple things today we're going to drill through, starting with uh, kind of our basic reactions to the lost season episode three and what the community thought. Episode two. Sorry, sorry. Episode two. There's no episode Whoa, three, so I'm not. Mike, no, what are you no, saying? no. <laughs> Maybe there is an episode. Ahead of ourselves there. Yeah. Uh, All right, but no, I thought. Two, uh, yeah. For me, and I may be biased because I, I worked on both, uh, but I thought episode two was just a lot higher production quality. I know it was just based on how we did it, um, which was cool to see and just us learning the ins and outs of doing this internally. Um, but then even externally, I, I one thing I always check when these broadcasts go up is Twitter. And we had a lot less negative sort of, maybe people were just getting used to seeing Spike Ball on the ESPNs of the world, but a lot less like what is this sport why is this here and more kind of positive comments which is cool to see mm. yeah I, not that um a lot of people are inherently negative uh we see that in in our community sometimes but it's also true of ev everyone elsewhere i know so many exactly the twitter comments you're talking about is just like what is this i hate it and just making fun of it and so it's funny that like just the lack of that makes it feel like oh they're just apathetic. We'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Twitter's for, right? It's not used as like a positive measurement. It's like, oh yeah, the less negative, the better. And yeah. yeah. That, and I think no overall, one opens I Twitter like when they have a good thing. No one's like, oh, this cheesecake is great. Let's tweet about it. They're just like, <laughs> this cheesecake sucks. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that was that really that's the positive standard. And I felt like I saw some positive feedback as well on it too. So definitely our highest production value. Mm -hmm. Hands down. Yeah. yeah. And then I mean, even the comments on the SRA Facebook page, it seemed like people in generally enjoyed it more. Maybe it wasn't there's some things here and there that they want to see different, but I that's always a, a gauge for me because our right. diehard fans are the ones that are gonna have the strongest opinions usually. Yeah, and I, I think Right. I, th I think the reason or there actually was there was less talk about off season episode two, because I think it's at a point like I think the reason uh, community members and otherwise have not enjoyed it and have had negative comments have been like, you know, the gameplay is not very good and kind of that our sport doesn't look very good. And I think this episode didn't. Right. The sport still doesn't look great, but it looks better. And it also like doesn't get into that. So I think the, t the takeaway, instead of like our sport is not fun to watch. So therefore the, the broadcast is not good to watch. This was like, the broadcast was good to watch, but it would be great if we didn't have to do a whole story for it to be watchable. You know, sure. if it was just it's a the... pure match and it was fun to watch. I mean, the goal is where the gameplay is as entertaining or more entertaining than the personalities involved, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, and that's something that's in some ways out of the control of at least the production side of things. It comes down to the players and the sport and the direction, but um, just doing the best we can with what we got. And part of that too, a little bit of that is just like, I'm being on ESPN, it's a, it's a much different audience. A lot of people haven't heard of the sport before. So, um, 
obviously like the more entertaining sport is the better, but part of it, it doesn't matter how entertaining a sport is. People aren't going to watch if they're not familiar with it. They don't know it. Um, so there's a little bit of that you have to work with as well. Right. And, and I, so I was just trying to like, think about that, right. When these broadcasts are out, you know, right. They have a different sort of purpose, right? They aren't live. They aren't like, hey, we, we're getting together to watch an NFL football game. So, you know, to me, this, the, because they're not live, for me, the, uh, and with the turn, I think the tournament format is also a very different thing to tackle, right? If it's just one match, you can just do that. And like, it has an inherent storyline of like this per this. But a tournament is a whole different thing because you have tons of different storylines, tons of different things. So I think the way we were doing it before, where it was like one hour for a whole tournament, um, I think, right, this format with the story fits better into kind of the format that we were already doing. You know what I mean? Right. A live broadcast would be very different. Yeah. And I mean, that's what we're working through, too, and because with ESPN, I think intuitively you'd think the content that's going to do best, there's your traditional sports broadcast coverage of a tournament X, Y, and Z, and not so much the docu series learning about people you've never met, but um, it's, yeah, it's just something we're still learning. And I've had, people have been asking like, will there be a lost season three or will this continue? And since that was, I mean, the storylines there were tied a lot into the pandemic and what's been going on there and us not having a season last year. So our fingers are crossed that will be the end of the road for this series, just because now we can start covering maybe uh, actual events or things with, with fans and, and uh, just different storylines. Uh, but we'll see. We are, uh, I don't know how much I can say just yet, but we're in talks with ESPN about doing some more uh, broadcast this year. And uh, I think it's, it's cool that a brand like ESPN is excited to have us on board. So we're, we're not trying to take that for mm -hmm. granted. That's some, that's some exciting stuff. <laughs> that's very cool. Um, something else I wanted to touch on was also like, I, I you don't know the specifics of what's going to partake this year, but right this season, because it, because it was so different, right? These were small invite only events, but those also make it much more conducive as we saw with um, the summer spike broadcast, the smaller you know, things together are more conducive to storylines and kind of showing the day. And I, like, I remember, right, logistically, a lot had to change for Lancaster and for, for Summer Spike for, for those things to happen. Um, so kind of like the, the future where these broadcasts seem to not very well work with our current format, if you know what I mean. You know, maybe there's a point where we do, but kind of where do you see, do you see them separating, you know, maybe invite only broadcasts versus, you know, tournaments or just tournament finals. Yeah, it's, um, I do think that like, if we think about spike ball content as a whole, there's so many different, this levels of the spectrum ranging from the people just playing in the backyard, having a dope rally to people up on an ESPN broadcast. And so I do think as long as ESPN keeps asking for broadcasts, we'll keep churning those out. And those will probably fall in line with the things we've done, like the Coney Islands where we um, it's modeled around a tournament structure, but we also do want to explore the long form 
types of things that maybe uh, go into a piece of history with the community or a certain team or uh, storylines that have a little more uh, fun to them and we can really delve into. Uh, but but time will tell uh, what happens. And who knows, like three, four years from now, is someone like ESPN covering all the events of a tour series and they are live. Right. You know, that's that's sort of tied into the trajectory of the sport and the progress that is made on that side of things with uh, what people want to watch. Mm-hmm. And the whole other factor here is the industry of just cable, traditional TV kind of <laughs> yeah, right. pushed towards the wayside while these over-the-top platforms that are all very internet-based come in and uh, figure out streaming. So it's a, yeah. it's a very cool ever evolving space that we're just trying to find how we fit into it. Right. And I think thinking of that, like, right. How we currently st- stream our events. I think that will not right be going away because right. You know, these ESPN broadcasts, like I said, are not live they're after, but people still want to enjoy Roundnet live as, as they should. Right. So that's a, right. A different sector. And of course, ESPN broadcast quality is not the same as a stream quality. Well, it's it's very, very hard to to do that type of thing, right? The reason that they're these after the fact broadcasts is because you have time to edit and make it all together. I'm surprised at how much does go into it live, right? Like they record like the scoreboard live and all of those things kind of together. I'm I was actually genuinely surprised by all that. But like I think going f- forward, like streaming will still be right until down the road, if there is a deal with ESPN where they're broadcasting our things on ESPN plus, I think our internal streaming is still uh, like a very much important part of, you know, around it. Yeah. And like that type of content, I think at least currently appeals to a much smaller slice of the pie, which doesn't mean we shouldn't do it, but it's just about how we, put our time and resources to making it happen um, and the production value. And like, uh, it's just a different, a different lens than when we're going to an audience, a bunch of people who have never seen it before. Right. Right. You can think about what, what are you trying to attain, right? Are you trying to gain new players, gain new fans, you know, or simply just, display the live matches that people want to watch you know i think there's something in between where you could have a nice live broadcast so people that like you know people won't stumble upon it really like they stumble upon an espn thing but say they stumble upon it or they hear about it they come in and they're like okay this is pretty nice you know i I understand this and then it's fun to watch while you also have the people that are going to watch every week no matter what and them enjoying it you know I think there's a, there's a nice equilibrium there where you want it to be like, you know, I I guess it it can be as nice as you want, but I think that's unrealistic. You know, it has to be like nice enough to really enjoy and to really look professional, you know, but that's, that's also very challenging to do live and expensive. Yeah. But speaking of that is we were talking about if we did have unlimited funds how do you think you would want to go about making the best stream or broadcast? Because currently, Rao, we've only had, we've done a little bit with the handheld gimbal. We've done a little bit with the high angle on ESPN. 
Some people talking about drones. What do you guys think? I mean, stats. I, if money, stats. Oh, stats. I, mean, I think of where it start if money was no limit was we'd literally build out a stadium that could capture all this in the way we want it. So we'd have like <laughs> what the NFL does with the cables okay. and the cameras that can go across and a stats booth, a, you know, replays and everything like in live time, it would be the highest production value imaginable. Mm-hmm. What Sean's saying is basically like, look at NFL games and there you go. <laughs> and make the spiteful round net version of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm would- always, again, so impressed. Like every play they seem to have a camera on every single person, right? Like every guy running a route has a camera on them. And I'm like, we have two cameras. They have, <laughs> they have, they have 40 cameras. Well, we also only have four players. So maybe we can just do that more budget. And That's get true. Yeah. Four cameras. <laughs> the, uh, the real, the real bottleneck is camera people, <laughs> but yeah. it's so cool. Just they have every single aspect of it. My favorite thing is players mic'd up. I know that's not really mm-hmm. that great. They don't really, those are just segments during a live broadcast, but the, when they post them afterwards, I think it's the coolest thing. Well, e- even, even during live broadcast, um, like it adds a lot and it's like, cause it, it comes in and out. You can hear the player's audio. And I think it's a really fun addition to like broadcast, even yeah. if like you can't hear necessarily specific things, like they use that to get in on the game a little bit. Yeah. You can hear the grunts. You can hear the white 80. What is that? I watched yeah. football. Yeah. I watched football. <laughs> it's like it's like during there was like the game on Nickelodeon, there was a little foopa because uh they like had the player's mic on and there was a uh a oh. uh, curse word dropped and it was like on live television. So um that was that was something that happened during the Nickelodeon yeah. game. So you you can hear you can hear pretty soundly what people are yeah. saying. I think camera wise, I still like gimbal best. Maybe not gimbal specifically, but like being in on the action. I think without the sense of depth, you know, uh, I, the stationary, I think one, even just if you had a camera on a tripod and you can move it, that adds a little bit of depth, but being really close up adds so much. And to me, the drone, although it looks really nice, maybe in between points during a point, it just feels weightless to me, which I don't really like. You mean like floating up top from a drone? Is that what you're saying? Well, so even if it was like off just a little bit, like at, at 2018 Nationals, we, we had kind of like this crane with a high up camera. And for me, yeah. that doesn't really work. I, I really prefer mm. close to the action. Point, a pain point with that is since most sports either have like defined perimeters or sides or what have you, mm-hmm. is always like one, where do we station our sort of camera setup? Are we, we almost make like this, semicircle that doesn't right. take up too much of the 360 degrees and how close in can you get with a guy on a gimbal without actually being in the shot of the high yep. camera yeah but i totally agree mike i like i think those up close shots are the best but it's almost like we'd have to do away with our wide angle if we go mm-hmm. with the up close and what i i hate is like right other sports don't really have those or right all the gimbal is in the middle of like the play, right? Like usually all of the camera people are on the outskirts. You don't really notice them. And I think the more realistic notion is how do we get that to look as good as possible? Cause I don't think having two or three or two or three people running around in the point also looks very good. 
you know, but it looks so good, but it just, as a spectator, I'm sure it's kind of annoying and it doesn't from exactly from the wide angle. It doesn't look great. Yeah. A unique yeah. problem to have for sure. If you had to have like a state, so the stationary camera, do you like, so the last season two, had kind of a higher angle. Did you prefer that? Did you like that? I, in general, if we're talking wide angles, do like a higher vantage. And like, I'm not saying you would want to watch a full game from a bird's eye or from a drone, but I think that angle is so cool because it shows so much more of the angles and where you can hit the ball and how mm -hmm. defensive and offensive rotates that yeah. I think gets a little lost on the average or beginner viewer from yeah. just uh, like straight on side view. Yeah. So thinking of the, the, the last season, right, there were some clips where they would run out of frame, right, and then it would change to this kind of camera person on the side. I think maybe that's kind of an ideal best of both worlds. Like you have a camera that's in on the net, but whenever it trails far away, you have these people on the sideline that really like follow the play off and back. So you get yeah. that, that close shot without having to be like in the play. Totally. Yeah. Maybe. And also some more side angles on the serves. So I think a yeah. nice healthy mix of the two. Yeah. And I mean, at our last, at the last broadcast, we had, I think five cameras going <laughs> across the board. So we could cut, we could cut to a lot of them, but at the same time, yeah. some in most plays, there's like two or three cameras just wouldn't work for that angle. And yeah. so it's you almost more the merrier at that point. Yeah, you like you just have to have the camera. There may just be like one shot, but like if you're gonna use it, it might be the perfect shot. But some of the cameras you may hardly ever use. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's stressing me out thinking about how to implement all that for a stream setup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it but just that depends goes back on to the like, budget. <laughs> well, that and like asking ourselves on these live streams, what do the people like? Why are they there? Is it new people learning? Like, what is the sport, or is it? community members just wanting to like watch the action and maybe they have a lower bar of production value just because they want to like see what happens. Right. Like I think of a, it's just so hard for us. Cause right. All the examples are like, they just do both, right? Like every major yeah. broadcast is huge, but that's also a massive industry and massive yeah. amounts of money. Um, so I think, right. It's, that's the hardest thing. Cause like you want it to be, I mean, I think it just comes as we'll make it as good as maybe, I don't want to say like the resources. Ah, it's really hard to say. I wanted to say like, cause the biggest bottlenecks are like, we don't have camera people and things and you could hire, you can always hire people to do that, which is a different story, you know? Well, that's and here too. Go for a Logan. I was just gonna say in these big industries as well, like it's uh it's like an ecosystem and there's broadcast right. So it's like it's something that's producing the ability to make more. Whereas like we haven't hit that point yet. Whereas like in the NFL and everything, like, you know, they're paying for broadcast rights and and you know, yeah. filming all that and, and the, the the live games is bringing in tons of money. And so like we're still building up to that point to to do that. So I, I think really it's it's also, you know, from the perspective is all this stuff is sort of an investment as well. You know, it's a, a chicken or the egg, which is how I always yeah. said, like, you know, you want to, right. We don't get many viewers, 
So why do you need an amazing broadcast? Well, will we ever get a lot of viewers if we don't have an amazing broadcast? But that and the, what I think we caught up on the sport development side too is like we forget we're still very young. Right. Sport's been around, mm-hmm. what, a decade? We've been trying to get on ES or we've been making broadcasts for ESPN for what, two or three years? Yeah. Like we got to give ourselves a little credit in how far we've come and how much more time and room we have to grow. Yeah, it's year year yeah. six and I'm comparing ourselves to a multi-billion dollar <laughs> industry. Yeah. Which is great I mean, though because like you want high aspirations, but yeah, at the same time. And that's what's crazy. You think like young sports, even like say like Ultimate or like, you know, even go to like uh, Cornhole, like those of sports have been around a lot longer than us. Like disc golf have been around a lot longer than us. So it's crazy that like, we're being able to produce this kind of stuff in yeah in the short amount of time. So just balancing kind of those expectations yeah. and aspirations. As my last comment, because we have to go, I think um, what is thinking about those things is I think about RoundNet, truth truly is a little simpler because it's such a, in a small location, you know, right? Like just the view on the net, is just 50 by 50. That's all you need. Like you only need a few cameras to cover that area, right? We're not going all the way down a hundred yards or all that stuff. And I think that's what actually may really help us in these early times that you only have to capture just a small bit of the field, which is really cool. Really, most of the game, it's just like a, a 12 by 12 box. Once one or once or twice a game, they'll leave that box. <laughs> yeah. I think what I, they call it round it the beautiful game, right? Isn't that what they say? Beautiful game. <laughs> anyway, um, viewers, we have to go. Thank you for uh, enjoying our ramblings today. Um, I'm curious uh, in the comment, comment on like what, where you think the ideal round net viewing spot is you like the gimbal you like a pie you like a drone or you just kind of like straight on from the side some people love that straight on from the side so they can see the those nice angles so let us know in the comments and also please uh like and subscribe it makes us feel better about doing this and logan's gonna go in a lot of debt due to GameStop, as you can see so uh like going, for him. going up oh up the to right. the moon <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, (laughs) thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. All hard.